Pop Health Week on Healthcare Now Radio. I'm Greg Masters, Managing Director of Health Innovation Media, the executive producer and co-host of the show. Joining me in the virtual studio is co-founder and principal co-host Fred Goldstein, President of Accountable Health, LLC. At Pop Health Week, we engage top industry leadership and stakeholder voices spanning payer, provider, patient, vendor, and regulatory communities in population health best practices and strategy. Connect with us at www.popupstudio.productions or follow and direct message me on Twitter at Greg Masters MPH, and that is Greg with two G's. On today's episode, our guest is Enrique Estrada, Senior Director of Health Industry Solutions at VMware, a leading provider of multi-cloud services for all applications. Enrique is a seasoned executive with over 25 years in technology, product management, telecommunications, and digital health leadership. He has worked in many transformational roles, including startups and Fortune 500 companies, where he's been the principal innovator and solution owner of new and disruptive technologies and services. And with that introduction, Fred, over to you. Thanks so much, Greg. And Enrique, welcome back to Pop Health Week. Hey, Fred. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to get you back on for the second show. And in the first one, we really started talking about this idea of retail getting rather heavily into the healthcare space. And we'll get into some more of those transitions uh, and companies doing that as we get into this show this week. But one of the other areas you touched upon was social determinants of health. Can you define from your perspective what those are or what that is? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. So I think it's a good way to kind of level set the, the conversation. So there's a lot of definitions out there that talk about it. The American uh, Hospital Association has some language around it, as well as some uh, other analysts and, and consulting firms that have done a really good job of defining it. I think at the end of the day, it really is about um, very specific data attributes that kind of define or start to kind of play into the situation of your environment. So I'll give you some examples. A lot of folks typically describe that, you know, it's folks running your zip code, right? If you tell me what your zip code is, it will tell you what your health outcomes are. Um, but the determinants of health really starts to look at your social economic factors, your statuses, your wages. Do you have public transportation? Do you have access to care? Do you have access to food? And let me just say this, the access to food and access to care is very loosely kind of described because I think the right way to be asking that question or defining that is, do you have access to quality of care and do you have access to quality of food? But for the most part, the, the data profile of what we're talking about really looks at those social attributes and how that relates into the overall kind of journey of a patient with their health care. Mm-hmm. And you talk about this in the data sources. Obviously, you know, when we think about healthcare, we think claims, electronic health records. Where are these sources and where should providers look to get them? Yeah, so that's a, a great question because um, if, if, you, if you look at the, I guess, traditional healthcare data profiles, you put it, you know, your, your clinical claims data, your ADT feeds from HL7 transactions or your 834, 837 documentation for claims, those are the traditional data profiles we've always looked at. And we've used those data profiles to, I would say, try to do some interesting things around gaps of care or coordinate care. But as we start to look at you know, other data profiles out there and where we could see some really great impact, it comes to like what, what's going on at the home, right? What's going on in the environment? What's going on where people live every day? Today, there's been a tremendous, I would say, trove of data that's been collected over the years 
primarily from marketing agencies. And I won't name some of those agencies. You can kind of guess who they are, but there's been a lot of data, I would say this data superset, if you will, that's aggregated all this marketing data. And some of those data can be things like surveys, social media updates, transactional data from consumers. And so when you look at marketing data and some of the social aspects of people just posting, those are all sources that have been collected and aggregated by large marketing agencies and retooled for you know new new campaigns. And so we're now looking at looking using that data uh, and commingling that with clinical and claims to create this even better superset that you can even do better things with. Right. When we think about that, you know, obviously, as, as we've discussed in the past, things like zip code are, are critically important. Um, and so with these different data sets coming in, how should providers or the others be considering integrating this stuff? Yeah, the integration piece is super, super critical. And there's actually even been some, I would say, some governance that's been put together. I think ONC has put a project out there. I know there's been a project called, I think it's called the Gravity Project that really talks about the implementation of this new data set into healthcare. And it's really focused around a couple of things. One is standards and data. How do you take basic standards and data today? I think that's where the gravity project comes in because it really starts to talk about how do we even look at this from a coding perspective? Um, there's gotta be some sort of policies around this. Obviously uh, you wanna make sure that it's like anything else in healthcare that you know you are protecting certain levels of privacy that's there. The interoperability is super, super critical. So we're always going to look at interoperability and making sure that there's the right standard and framework. So for, for all you uh, HL7 nerds out there, FHIR actually has a role in this from a care plan perspective. Uh, so interoperability will very much be part of this. And then at the end of the day, how do you implement it into the workflows? And that implementation is really important because that's where the engagement happens between the people providing care and the people receiving care. So um, we hope that it all has a nice structured layout in, in the EHR. Uh, there is another project, as I recall, from the ONC to create some sort of, I won't call it certification, but just compliance around how you bring in, you know, these disparate uh, outsource, outside data from marketing sources, if you will, commingled with clinical and claims into the right structured fields. So there's a huge effort and there's a lot of attention at the government le uh, level to make sure that we're doing this right. So, you know, I've heard some feedback from provider groups and others that, wow, now we got to look at this stuff. Um, and you talk some about how, how you integrate this into your workflow and systems. What are some advice you might give to providers around that? Because obviously it is a new data set and it's requiring some new ways to work or maybe new staff, et cetera. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I say it's data for good, right? So, you know, when you think about a provider, if they're concerned or overwhelmed, uh, what, what does this mean? You know, hopefully a physician should never be concerned about or have to worry about, I should say, something down at that root level of, of data, right? The data profile or anything like that. What they should really be being able to take advantage of is the actions that drive their workflows. So let's just take, for instance, a couple of examples. So my first interaction with social determinants of health, if you will, was in around 2015 on a project around helping kind of reduce readmissions and predictable outcomes and a lot of risk stratification. So we're obviously looking at clinical claims data, but we're bringing in some of that marketing data to look at, you know, people that were diabetic that had certain, I would say, um, limitations to access of care and driving some very focused campaigns on engagement, health literacy, education, 
and even medication compliance, uh, especially with the diabetics. So we want to make sure that particular cohort, if you will, uh, whether you're type one, type two, had the right, all the right tools to support them. And so, you know, this is where I think there should be a lot of acceptance and, and really excitement from the provider community to go, wow, if this could be a profile that um, has been overlooked and let's say helps me identify new gaps of care to treat my patients, uh, why wouldn't I be excited about that? So for us, the technologists um, in the room, you know, it's our, it should be our mission to make sure that as we kind of curate that data, that we're servicing it up in a way that's actionable for the providers and means something to the patients. I think that's a great way to explain it. As you said, it's about curating that data so it isn't just overloading the provider and gives them some actionable things to work on, obviously. So let's take this now to this discussion we had last week on retail. What are some of the unique areas or things that a retail organization might bring to this area of social determinants of health? You know, one of the things that retailers do really, really well is collect transactional data. Uh, so just, I, I liken it to our ability to really aggregate a lot of clinical and claims data that looks at the profile and all the longevity or longitudinal profiles of a patient through their journey to, in the healthcare system. Retailers do the same exact thing, but they do it from a consumer perspective. They know your patterns. They know what you're buying. They know typically what days you're going to show up. For instance, I, I, I'm at Costco um, almost religiously every Sunday. And, and just like a fool, I go in there with one or two things in mind, but I end up spending uh, way more than I'm supposed to. And I end up walking out with way more than I, I, I plan to go there with. But, you know, these retailers actually have these, these patterns already figured out. Uh, and so when I think about what they can do with data, and as I think about retailers, you know, these big box retailers, or even, you know, a lot of these retailers in the cloud, so to speak, what they're doing to get into healthcare is great. I'm really excited about it. They're going to bring a lot of price transparency and, and really push care to, to as far out to the edge as they can. Um, but they're also going to leverage all that consumer data that they've been collecting for years to know what your patterns look like. So if you are diabetic, we go back to that use case I talked about earlier, and, and they know that, you know, probably not the best eating habits or shopping habits for food, but you are leveraging their new services in their brick and mortar stores, and you are taking the first step to improve your care, they can actually start to push out certain campaigns that focus on the right types of foods to eat, right? Maybe redirecting you to their organic food section or their health and wellness section. So they're really good at knowing what their data looks like and what to do with that data and how to trigger that into their own workflows. So, I mean, what you mentioned is sort of what I've been thinking about for a while now is this holy grail of being able to say, I know how I can influence your purchasing decisions. So do you see this now being able to be used to to influence their health and healthcare decisions? Is that what you're getting at? I, I think that is definitely one piece, right? And I think if I think about nudges, right, a nice little nudge here and there, they definitely have through, you know, the collection of all these new data sets, the opportunity to give you these nice little nudges, these nice little reminders, as well as pushing notifications to back into the workflow about your overall engagement. Uh, so I think there's absolutely the opportunity there where they can have a little bit more deeper engagement from maybe the traditional way of healthcare. And that's the part that makes it really exciting about retailers getting into healthcare is that they can, they can use some of their own tricks and techniques to help provide those nudges and help maybe kind of curve and, and change the, the pattern of some folks' uh, health habits. 
Yeah, I think it's definitely exciting, Enrique. And, you know, even since the last time we spoke, there's been more news in terms of retail retailers stepping into the healthcare space. I was just out in the Mississippi Delta a couple of weeks ago and was just amazed at the number of Dollar General stores out there. And Dollar General is now stepping into this. So what do you see happening now? Yeah, so what we've seen in the past couple of years, we've seen Walmart go full steam ahead. They're, I think, now a little over 30 deployed sites inside some of their big brick and mortar locations uh, in the Southeast. We've seen CVS jump in as well, and they're doing that as well with some acquisitions that they're tying into that. Obviously, Amazon's been focused on this for some time. And then Dollar General making that announcement, which was great because, you know, if you look at Walmart, Walmart's out there in pretty much rural communities. But if you look at you know, Dollar General, they even go one step further than that. And I, I, I've been amazed on how many times I've been on this back road uh, in California, a few back roads out here, and I'll run into a Dollar General and I would not think that there would be even a store in this area. And I, I've been quite surprised. So it's great. I'm really excited about their footprint into uh, healthcare. I think what I had last read is that they were looking to do and leverage some mobility with that, some mobile services. And then I don't know if you caught this, Fred, but just I think a week and a half ago, Albertson made an announcement as well that they're going to be jumping into healthcare. So really exciting. It's long overdue. And it's it's great to see, you know, big, big movers and shakers like Walmart, CVS and others pushing this and others also jumping in to be part of the solution. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Pop Health Week on Healthcare Now Radio. We're speaking with Enrique Estrada, Senior Director of Healthcare Industry Solutions at VMware, a leading provider of multi-cloud services. So as, as you think about this, you know, with your you know, incredible tech experience and background, is this another layer on the onion or is this an opportunity perhaps for these organizations to get out in front of it by creating this interconnectivity at the start? So it's definitely uh, another layer. Um, and it'll be interesting to you as you peel back those layers, what that means. One of the things that I don't think they can all do by themselves is, you know, provide the full stack of healthcare services. So a lot of the strategy may be focused around primary care and that's great. You know, sometimes that's the best way to start. Uh, and so there will be, as you peel back some of these layers, as well as like, how do you partner for specialty? Uh, how do you partner for other uh, parts of, of healthcare, right? Mental health, labs, meds, uh, what have you. So I think there will be continued uh, approaches on how you develop a strategy and how you peel back those layers. But I think this is just that first that first step with a lot of these retailers just getting in with primary care. Right. And if they come in with that system then, but they've set up that interconnectivity at the start, I assume that makes it much easier. It's not necessarily another layer in a sense, because it's already baked into the product. Yeah. One of the things that they can absolutely learn from, from the history of healthcare is, look, please don't go build more silos. We don't need that, right? <laughs> we we have enough of that. We, we're still talking about uh, what healthcare interoperability. And I remember when Meaningful Use came out, um, you know, late 2009 to 2010, someone can fact check me out there, but, you know, stage one, stage two was there to solve that. And we're still talking about interoperability. So, you know, the, the interconnection that you're talking about is so critical. Um, and I, you know, half of my career in healthcare was hundred percent interop focused. I, I did a lot of HIEs as far as building and working for. So that interconnectivity is so critical. And I hope that 
they don't take the siloed approach. I hope they really focus on the interoperability because, you know, patients are going to flow between different healthcare systems. They're not just going to stay at one healthcare system for the rest of their life. Uh, I mean, it's great if you have that trust and relationship and you don't move. And those are kind of the happy paths. I think some people think um, you can walk down from a, you know, retaining a patient perspective, but the reality is patients are going to float from different systems based off of their healthcare plans, where they live and things happen, right? So that interconnectivity, that linkage, that longitudinal flow of data is, is really important. And the other aspect too is, you know, as I think about these retailers and what they do, um, you know, we're, we're on this big push to value-based care. And I think trans, you know, a lot of consumers focus transactionally on, you know, in and out. So I really hope that there's a big push for value-based care and they don't see that patient experience as just a transactional one that they see it as the ability to really focus on improving outcomes uh, over the long haul. I, I think that really makes a lot of sense. You know, think about it. If you have the interconnectivity built up, you've got this alternative payment model or value-based care built into the system at the start. I think the transformation could be rather large. And I think back now to my you know trip to Mississippi, and they are losing providers. They're losing hospitals in the rural areas. So this really is an opportunity, I guess, for the retailers to step in and really help these patients. Yeah, this is a, you know, event horizon for us in healthcare to see the outside coming in to to make an impact. And I've heard this for a long time. Sometimes it does take people from the outside to come in to, you know, essentially switch things, change things, disrupt things. Hey, we're here, right? This, the disruption can absolutely begin now. Uh, it's going to begin from a business model perspective because that's the obvious thing that's in front of a lot of these retailers. But, you know, the impact they can make from providing care providing health equity, pushing pushing access of care to rural communities, that's all front and center. And it's really, it's their opportunity to win. And, you know, we've talked a lot about patients uh, on this show, and obviously patients are, are should be telling us, you know, sort of what it is that they want. What should the patients be telling these retailers or what should they be listening for as they come into this space? Yeah, uh, so let's just put on our, our, our patient hat for a second, right? One of the things that I want if i think of myself going through the system right now at a retailer is like i want price transparency and i want trust and i want quality of care it's pretty pretty simple those are the three things i don't want to go in there believing that my out-of-pocket is x and it ends up being x y and z uh, that i find out through a letter you know two weeks later so i, I want tri- price transparency i want access to the right type of care that i need and i want the right quality of care no one wants to go to a large retailer and basically get, you know, I would say subpar quality, right? We're, we're, we all want the best quality that we can receive. And I really hope they, they deliver on that promise. And, you know, if you think about that from a population health approach, it, it's all built on data. You know, population health programs, quality improvement programs are built on data. So obviously this whole idea of data and interconnectivity is going to be critical for these new players. You're 100% right. It's all built on data. And what we have the opportunity to do going back to my earlier reference, data for good is, you know, looking at social determinants as a way to maybe contextualize what's going on with patients, right? So right now, what physicians are looking at is what they have in front of them, right? They have just their their history, but they don't have the contact. They don't have the background. They don't know, you know, what's going on in their environment. They don't know what limited access they have. And it really creates this opportunity to maybe even 
you know, solve for the inequalities and the gaps in care by by having that context of what else is going on with my patient. Because doctors, they're just seeing you right in front of you. They're, lo they're looking at your charts and then they're just hearing what's wrong with you for the day. But they don't have any other insights to your day in the life of, you know, walking your shoes and what's going on in your community, your environment, what have you. That data, that's where that data provides so much newer insights that they don't have. Right. And as, as um, these groups grow, obviously, we've heard, as you mentioned, there's now Albertsons stepping into the space and these others. We've seen retailers struggle a bit. But do you think we've sort of reached that critical mass where there are enough of them doing it that some of them are going to get this right? No, I, I think I think it's going to be a little bit of a journey. So if we go look at Walmart, this is all out in the public domain. I, th I think the, the number that's out there is about two-thirds of the U.S. population flows through a Walmart. So they have the critical mass, right? CVS, I think the other stat is 70% 70, 70 of the U.S. population is within a three-mile radius of, of a CVS store in urban areas. So you, you can drive that critical mass, but you, you got to be able to drive the trust and you got to be able to build the quality, make sure that the right standard of care and quality of care is there. So this isn't easy. We all know that anything in healthcare is super hard. So no one should think that, hey, I know I know how to drive consumer really well. I got a sign, I got this down to a science. All I have to do is just flip a bit a bit and then go right into healthcare. That's not how it's going to work, especially from a pop health perspective. And Fred, you know, probably better than anyone else, population health is super, super hard because, you know, you're dealing with uh, a wide array of chronic diseases, different populations. And, you know, the hardest thing that I've learned in healthcare is um, just because, the you know, the field of dreams, right? Just because you built it and you have the right data model there, it doesn't mean it's going to work. The, the ability to drive engagement and keep people engaged and keep people adherent to their medication and be compliant. And a lot of that just comes down to behavioral health, which is another part of, of this data model, right? So it's not easy, but I'm I'm really excited about their opportunity to have that critical mass and maybe start to line up some short wins for themselves in driving outcomes. So I guess what you're getting to is, while you may not be completely bullish, those that choose to bring in some perhaps healthcare expertise and technology expertise will emerge as the winners in this, you think? I think they will emerge as um, helping move healthcare in the right direction. Fascinating. And as you, as you think about this from a system perspective, what does this mean for the other players in the healthcare system? So the other players being traditional healthcare delivery. Correct. Yeah. I would, I'd be kind of curious to see what they think as well. They may not feel like this is a threat. I, I, if anything, I really think that this could be an op absolutely opportunity for for partnerships where retail can't provide the full healthcare stack, but they can partner with large healthcare delivery systems. But if you're if you're an idea and you already feel like you do that anyway, you provide the full suite of services. Uh, I'm not sure what it means. Uh, I haven't talked to physicians <laughs> to really kind of get their take on it. It's so nascent. It's so new. I think a lot of folks are taking this wait and see approach. Uh -huh. Yeah, I think as I look at this, and you're you're pointing out this idea of partnership just rung a lot of bells in my head to say, wow, there could be some really interesting ways to create integrated systems between the retail and the healthcare to really meet the needs of patients right where they're at. Yeah, and that's exactly that's exactly the point. You're going to see them at your store. They're going to go home, and hopefully, you keep them engaged while they're home through new ways to use digital health, whether it's remote patient monitoring 
telehealth, which is a great, easy, that's, if you think about adding services to their stack, that's exactly where they can help drive some, some additional adoption is with those type of digital tools. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing where this goes over the next couple of years. Obviously, as you point out, there are some real issues, things that need to be addressed, but also real opportunities on, on the other side for those that choose to get in it, create, I guess, what you talked about, which is interconnectivity, quality, you know, engagement, et cetera, to really meet the needs of patients. Yeah, that that is the promise. It, it is absolutely about the consumerism of healthcare and watching things start to change a bit by looking at different data models that can help drive some some new ways and new ways to analyze, right? I think that one of the big use cases I've seen is really driving risk stratification through things with social determinants of health and even the social determinants of mental health, which is very front and center today. So, you know, the, the power of the data is there, how we contextualize that, how we curate that, and how we manage that back into the workflow to make that actionable is where we could see a lot of promise uh, moving forward from from everyone that leverages that data set. Well, that's a fantastic way to end this episode, Enrique. Thanks so much for joining us on Pop Health Week. Yeah, thank you so much. It was exciting to be back on the show. And back to you, Greg. And thank you, Fred. That is the last word on today's broadcast. I want to thank Enrique Estrada, the Senior Director of Health Industry Solutions at VMware, for his time and many insights today. To learn more about VMware, go to www.vmware.com forward slash solutions slash industry slash healthcare dash IT dash solutions. To read Enrique's blog post, check out blogs.vmware.com forward slash industry dash solutions forward slash healthcare. And do follow their work on Twitter via at VMware and VMware HIT, respectively. And finally, if you're enjoying our work at Pop Health Week, please do like the show on the podcast platform of your choice, share with your colleagues, and do consider subscribing to keep up with new episodes as they're posted. We stream live on Healthcare Now Radio weekdays at 5.30 a.m., 1.30 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern. And for you left coasters like me, 2.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 6.30 p.m. Pacific. For Pop Health Week, my co-host Fred Goldstein, this is Reg Masters saying, please stay safe, everyone. Bye now. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.